The following podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the three of us all have engineering and technology backgrounds, none of us are certified financial advisors, and we are certainly not your financial advisors. So please do your own due diligence when investing and enjoy the show. Thank you. Welcome back, Magnitudians. You've got your host, Andrew, Christopher, and Tamor on this episode of the magnitude podcast today we have a few topics such as you know the vaccines um new options you know what's what's going on with corsair and you know my favorite stock and (laughs) and so yeah i think we can just get right into it um i think the first thing we can start with is you know the traditional uh impulse buys (laughs) Uh, any impulse buys from the past week? Yes. Yeah, I had a few. Um, All right, shoot. So when the vaccine news came out, turns out that a lot of the recovery plays shot up while tech plays shot down for a little bit. So I thought, I really like tech. Tech is cheap. I want to buy some. So I bought two shares of Square and one share of unity one extra share of unity um the unity the software company not unity the banking corporation um and i've got decent decent prices on both of those uh i think i'm up on unity right now uh more so than than square um what was your price on unity oh okay so funny story um I was actually waiting for the Unity IPO for weeks, so when it finally came out, I started shoving in limit orders to see if I could get filled first. So I have eight shares at seventy-five and one share at ninety-nine. <laughs> eight shares at seventy-five. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's at seventy-five. So yeah, I'm at I'm at a very good profit on each of them. Okay. And you bought more? Yeah, I bought one more. I had okay. the cash after buying Square to buy one okay. more $100 stock, so I went to Unity. Yeah, uh, I bought Square at 189 a share. It's down a little bit right now, so okay. great, but at the same time, I'm in it for the long haul. I'll probably buy more, but this is a good starting point. Yeah, that sounds good. How about you, Christopher? Any impulse buys? I... Uh, also, when Tamor said he was buying a share of Unity, uh, s- decided to hop on and get two shares of Unity myself. I snagged s- it right above $100. I think it was like 101 or 102 Okay. Okay, you guys, you guys were way better than me. <laughs> so, I think last week or a couple weeks ago, I sold my Unity shares like after my position was like, 80 something like say 85 and then it went up to 100 and i sold then or maybe at 105 and then so my usual plan was to go back into unity and take advantage of the dips and the ups and uh earlier in the week uh unity was like way up to like 120 something and then it fell it was starting to fall um, on Tuesday or Monday, whenever whenever it was falling, I thought the I thought Unity would was gonna stay around like the 112 range. So I just I bought in pretty much at one 111, and it did go up for like a few hours, and then it just went back down to to 90 for the rest of the week or 90 99 really. So that was like a yeah that was a negative impulse buy, but um i'm pretty sure it's still gonna go up regardless stay on that positive trend honestly the second one was with my tried and true corsair um (laughs) so in the middle of the week i just noticed that it was uh dropping which it rarely does so you kind of have to jump in when when you see it in the red and so i bought it at 25 dollars and yeah since then it's gone it's gone back up to like $28 and this this is my goat <clears throat> mind you I do have the original the original price at around 15 1520 so uh, Corsair is my goat suck it ICLN 
You are factually incorrect, <laughs> but I'll allow a pass, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I can't throw too much shade. I see one's doing great. Speaking of things that are exponentially growing, how are we doing on that pandemic thing? Huh. <laughs> oh, um... I mean, I'm, uh, like, permanently paranoid that every time I cough, I'm going to die. So that's that's not ideal. <laughs> Welcome to America. But, uh, hanging in there. You know, I heard there's supposed to be some vaccines potentially coming. Yeah, uh, Pfizer's yeah. had some success. And, uh, somebody yeah. felt a bit salty um, about that this week, right, Tamar? Or BioNTech. I'm not... Salty. I am fuming. Uh, Pfizer and BioNTech were the runners-up, quote-unquote, of the vaccines. Most people were betting on AstraZeneca and Oxford. That's what I had. Uh, I was not. I was on Pfizer. <laughs> um, and I've been holding BioNTech for months now, and I thought, all right, if AstraZeneca is having some problems, odds are Pfizer might have similar problems. So what I'm going to do is sell BioNTech while I'm up, like, four dollars on it uh sell off half you know just in case and just kind of move on so i did that and then exactly like four days later biotech and pfizer said hey look our vaccine is 90 percent effective everything is going to be okay <laughs> biotech stock proceeded to jump up like 25 percent and i was just sitting there <laughs> with half the profit i could have had angry only at myself so, uh, not thrilled. I, I hope it improves from here. Um, if, if BioNTech drops below 80 again, I'll probably snap up a few shares again, and this time I'm not selling shit. Um, sorry, am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah, yeah, we flagged as explicit. Fuck Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is gonna be great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So to more ups the swearing. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I heard it. I thought, all right, we'll, we we got to commit now. So, all right. Um, yeah, so Pfizer and Biotech. Those were the two that really, well, they caused kind of a larger shift in the stock market, right? So, you know how before um, tech and, and, you know, like fintech, uh, biotech, and um, uh, kind of telecom communications tech, we're all jumping up and, you know, constantly growing by like 5%, 10% every week or so. I think this was the point where we realized, all right, we don't have to, you know, put all of our chips in tech anymore. There's a chance that things will return to normal eventually. Uh, I hear by June of next year. It's probably a good guess. Uh, I, I don't know for sure. So it might be time to switch back into recovery plays. I personally have been looking at a few REITs again. You know, if if uh, retail and um, real estate, you know, might be a relevant investment now. So, are you operating under the assumption that the vaccine will come through, um, like near the, you know, after the year starts? Yeah, I am. At this point, I'm pretty much just gonna load up on the indices, because the indices for half and real estate REITs. Sorry. Re ETFs. I can I can think correctly. <laughs> um, I'm gonna load up on ETFs so that I don't have to worry too much about the underlying REIT or singular REIT more so than any other, um, and so that I can just kind of still profit off of the resurgence. I don't think I'm gonna jump in cruise lines again anytime soon, or okay. airlines for that matter. Fair. Speaking of something that uh, jumped from the vaccine promise was um, cake. Um, Cheesecake Factory jumped oh, from yes. like thirty or yeah, from like thirty to thirty-eight dollars. <laughs> Just from actually, it was it was um oh, wow. It was it was, po it was both post-election plus the vaccine news that made it jump that much. Yeah, things skyrocketed <laughs> a bit. <laughs> Yo, people know that they want that cake. <laughs> I'm telling you, um, even on just like DoorDash, Grubhub, like I think they are surviving just through the food delivery um, services because I mean, I ordered their food for 
lunch yesterday. It was pretty freaking decent. It was like a flatbread pizza, <laughs> which I never expected to. I've never expected myself to buy a pizza from Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> but I mean, it turned out fine. Everything I've gotten from there is really good. Yeah. So I don't blame you. <laughs> and it was actually a decent price. It was, uh, well, with tip, it was $18 ish. So, yeah, that's the usual budget I keep for purchasing delivery lunch. But, yeah, in terms of their stock, that's one That's one of the stocks that uh, I'd say if a lot of people are looking out for in terms of the resurgence of normal life. And, oh, baby, am I glad that... I mean, I'm not invested that much into it. I'm just glad I picked a right stock. <laughs> So if it ever does go back down to like 28-ish dollars, then I would try to put more money into it. Did you end up selling when it oh, was no, at 38? No. I'm just sticking with it. Uh, Honestly, oh. with my portfolio, so okay, yeah, that's fair. So with my portfolio, I told you guys before that I was putting just like a little bit into a lot of stocks and now it's just there's so many stocks and numbers to keep track of and it's this is just in my head so i don't always remember to to set up a like a sell limit or or even think to to commit to a sell limit on some specific stocks because i mean since it's only a little bit of investment i'm just like just keep it in there who knows if it blows up maybe i'll get a hundred dollars one day andrew have you heard of a wonderful piece of software called Microsoft Excel? Whoa. You mean like note-taking? It allows you to neatly organize and store your data in a way that is easy to process so that you can manage your stocks. You mean like journaling and note-taking? Yeah. It's an interesting the, the, concept. The the two elements that go into making a productive lifestyle? Um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Um, I didn't write down my thoughts to do journaling, but um, I do believe that I would <laughs> greatly benefit from it because I need to write down my long-term plans of, you know, what's my plan for Corsair? Am I just going to keep all of my money in there or am I going to take it out ever? Um, what's my plan for um, Intel or freaking... Fastlier. Wait, wait, wait. You have money in Intel? Yes, man. This was before, guys. Remember? Um, this was... Why? You know, before AMD uh, had their conference, before anyone knew they had stuff to compete, I was still under the impression that Intel would be the, the de facto for pure gaming performance. Dude, get, get out of Intel. Like yeah, that. you want to get out of there. No, I'll, I'll just keep the little money I have in there. Because they haven't released anything yet, and who knows if they grow some balls and release a good product. But I think, um, yeah, I just want to see what happens. What was your buy-in on Intel? Roughly, I bought in at forty-nine, and it is not doing so well. Okay, that's not that's not terrible at least. Yeah, it's at forty-five right now. I mean, back when I bought it, it was it was going up to like fifty-five, and so I mean. That was, like, a good thing for me, so... But see, they've been dealt a double whammy here with AMD uh, taking their desktop market and then Apple taking away their main laptop market. Okay. Which just is not great for them. Yeah, I did not keep up with that, the Apple part, but... <laughs> yeah, Apple is no longer using any Intel chips. That's actually hilarious. And new products. They are making their own silicone now. Okay. Oh. Is that a transition into your next topic, Chris? <laughs> I just... Don't tell people. <laughs> it so ruins smooth. the magic. Yeah, you want a fancy transition. <laughs> like, um... I, I just want to say that... In terms of Intel, I've been like a... I don't know. I guess you could call it a fanboy of Intel. Um, since I was pretty young. Because just like... I was into computers since I was really young, and they were the de facto processor makers. And you know, I had aspirations to, or have aspirations to go work there at some point. Um, although 
I think I did have aspirations to work there at some point. That still needs to be hashed out, but... I get it. I used to be a huge uh, Intel fanboy when I was younger. I mean, I still was up until probably a few months ago when I got... uh, Or when, you know, AMD started popping off, really, and now Apple's ditching them. I see no future for an (laughs) Intel chip in my life, because anything I'm... Anything I have is either going to be an Apple computer, because you know me, I'm an Apple fanboy, mm-hmm. not going to cover it up, or a desktop computer, which I'm going to throw a Ryzen chip in. I mean, yeah. And it's funny, because I think we have currently one, two, three, four, at least four win- four Intel computers right now, but they all are going to go away in your, soon. Do you mean in your workplace or your home? In my home. Oh, okay. <laughs> In my workplace, we have, I don't know how many freaking Intel computers. <laughs> yeah. Probably, like, a hundred. Yeah, it was just the standard for so long. It's hard to get out of it. It, <laughs> it is. Well, and it still is for a lot of um, uh, enterprise yeah. solutions. So, like, Dell, you know, Optiplexes, the most generic computers in the yeah. world. That's still shipping with Intel. Yeah, it would take time to change. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though, because you see um, Intel's taking over all these niche markets, you know, with, or not Intel, AMD is taking over all the niche markets with gaming and, you know, 3D rendering software and all that. Yeah, they're just killing it But right now. they still haven't grasped the general consumer yet. Yeah, maybe if they uh, stopped making bikes, <laughs> then they could... Uh, bikes? Remember, um, in one of the earlier... Uh, episodes, well, off episodes, unofficial episodes. Uh, Timor mentioned that AMD like bought, acquired a, a bike company where they like have AMD branded bicycles. Interesting. Yeah, I think we thought we were they were just trolling. So maybe they maybe they were just like like goofing around just so no one would suspect them <laughs> to be a contender in the in the PC race. Um, but then the Timor. The recent news that has also dealt bloated uh intel is uh, apple switching their to their silicone because it really does uh yeah i mean you think about how many people in the u.s alone that have macbooks for most of their computing it's a pretty big hit considering that that's a large portion of micro or if not microsoft of intel's market share i don't remember what the exact number was but it was I think it was like 20% or something of Intel sales. It was something ridiculous that was actually more significant than I thought it was. Okay, yeah, I can see that. But more I wanted to I want to hint at what I think is the future for um, processors here, which is not Intel and not AMD, really. Have you, you said you didn't look into the um, Apple Silicon event that uh, they did this week at all? Any of the news? No, I didn't. I heard a little bit. So I'll summarize it for you real quick. Essentially, there's three new laptops that don't look new but are new internally. Uh, they all okay. have the Apple M1 chip that they unveiled at this event, which is significantly more power efficient. I believe it runs generally around 10 watts compared to most you know, desktop CPUs run at 110 watts. Yeah. A laptop's going to be about 25 or so. So a lot more power efficient while also still being faster in many metrics in the normal annoying apple way on their slides and stuff they do not (laughs) give many good details about how it's faster it's just a very basic graph of speed and power performance uh or and you know wattage uh versus an unspecified chip so (laughs) as an engineer uh the thing that ticked me off most was that they didn't label their axes like with any any unit please i trust me i agree more than anything what more do you need than big red bar they, they went way too simple <laughs> you know what how could i have not thought in such a revolutionary <laughs> <way>? <laughs> it's their whole it's their whole uh-huh. like mo or mantra maybe i'm using those words wrong but all, all they do is too simple and that's what makes the iphone so so intuitive Exactly, and, and that's what they're doing to the MacBook, essentially. Yeah, they that face value performance seems insane. Yeah, I'll post um a link to some of the results uh, that they published down below in the description or whatever. But more, 
what I find interesting with this is that we're seeing the power that ARM can actually deliver when applied to an actual desktop environment and a fully like realized operating system that it can run on. Because we've had ARM chips on Windows before and we've had ARM chips on Linux, um, but they were never really full finished products, whereas this is the first time we're actually seeing this fully realized in a finished product that's actually going to be used by a lot of people. Does that make sense? Um, kind of. The way I'm trying to think of it is that, um, it, so the Apple, this new Apple processor is actually based on ARM? I don't think I knew that. Yes, it is. It's actually um, based on the um, mobile processors they make. So the mobile chips oh, that are in their phones. Okay. That's the baseline that they built it off of. That is sick. Because um, I knew that with Apple making their own proprietary processors, they can more they can more easily optimize, um, you know, the processes, the yep. um, the transitions, and the you know the different ways for the processor to communicate with the um, operating system and yes. gain a bunch of efficiencies from there. Um, I didn't know it was ARM though, so... I mean, just because um, NVIDIA acquired ARM, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going for. Yeah. Guess who holds two shares okay. of NVIDIA? Yep. And it absolutely cannot wait for Apple to release the oh M1. For the wrong reasons, don't get me wrong. I think it's not quite as good as AMD's Verizon. Uh, what nine forty five hundred U or forty seven hundred U, whatever that. Well, so that's the that's where it gets interesting. <laughs> is there are Geekbench scores that have been released that show that it's more powerful, but again, you can only take you can take those with a grain of salt because you know it's Geekbench. Yeah. It's not always perfect, but it is still, given what they've yeah. shown us at their presentation and those leaked scores, it does look like it's actually going to be a surprisingly powerful chip. Yeah, I would believe it. I, we won't know till we have them in hands. Um, I will have one in hand in a few <laughs> weeks here. But I, I think it's going to... I think this is going to be their entry-level chip, is what they're going for. And I think it's going to be an impressive amount of performance for the price that you're paying at the end of the day. That said, you are still paying $1,000 for a laptop. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you look at ultra-premium, thin-and-light laptops, they're all $1,000 or more. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the only hang-up I have is that... ARM has not historically be, been seen as in, as a laptop or desktop competitor. Yep. So if Apple moves to use ARM in their, uh, you know, in their desktops like the uh, Mac Pro or iMac or whatever they have now, they did release a desktop with it, the Mac Mini. Really, they did. Okay, I didn't I didn't see that section. Okay. Here, let me jump onto their site. Mac, what's... Mac Pro. No, is it the Mac the Pro? The Mac, Mac Mini. Mini? Which... Yeah. Mac Mini, got it. Oh, they finally updated this thing. Actually, actually, I'm going to buck the trend here. I know I hate Apple with a passion. I kind of dig the Mac Mini. Like, for what it is, like, it's... it's oh, especially cool. with the new specs they're releasing it with. It should be a very powerful little desktop and a nice size. Yeah. Right? Like, that that's that's something I think they did really well. Yeah. And I mean, the okay, so the other thing. Um, right. So, will Apple be able to compete with the other chip makers, specifically AMD? Uh, I don't know that they will, just because AMD doesn't have to focus on building the entire product. Yeah. Right? They just got to make really fast processors. They make discrete graphics. There's no way... Apple's competing with that. So, you know, like, it, it remains to be seen how how well this turns out. But the, the real question is, does Apple even have to actually compete with them? Realistically, yeah. their they're silicon's strict to their, you know, products. And yeah, as long as you can say. use, you know, the professional tools that people use on Macs, you know, Photoshop, Premiere... I'd, I don't know all the artistic tools that people use on it. Be the Adobe Creative Suite. Yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. Because um, I know you can edit like 4K footage and stuff on this too, which is amazing for you know what it is. So I think I, I'm curious to see if they are even do they even compete with AMD realistically. That would be great for content creation. And I was gonna say that 
um, they wouldn't necessarily have to compete with AMD, given that, so a lot of, when people go to buy laptops, they, they're already thinking in terms of, um, I want a PC or I want to buy a Mac. Um, so yes, exactly. the amount of competition there would be limited to anyone who's on the fence of uh, which which uh, sort of uh, platform to buy, PC versus Mac. And then from there, I think the performance, I was going to say the performance was relative, but uh, that's probably with my earlier point. Um, from, from people that are on the fence, they would have to... <laughs> honestly just have to weigh the options of the benefits between the platforms and then in terms of if they're doing the exact same thing on on each platform uh, I'd say if they can so from the Apple CPU just looking at their um, some of their specs and highlights on their webpage they say that they have um, a 16 core neural engine as well as um, you know more cores in their GPU with um, 8 cores and then their eight-core CPU as well. So if they can leverage, I guess, some of this machine learning uh, te- technology, then they would probably go with Apple. If if something was just purely in that in that realm, um, versus AMD, that would just be like you're getting a PC computer, and whatever work you're doing is gonna be multi-cores. Or fully gaming. I agree with you, and I think part of the thing here is also this. Honestly, if anything, divides the market between people who want Windows and an AMD chip, or someone who wants Apple with the Apple Silicon. It it more divides the people between you know are they fully in on the Mac or not. Yeah, I was thinking that there would be more of a competition between. Apple's um, new chips versus new ARM chips versus Nvidia's new ARM chips. We haven't seen what they have yet. Cause like, <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, that's not really how ARM operates either. ARM doesn't actually make their own chips. They just make the chip designs and license that out. So ARM profits either way. Like they don't need to compete no. with Apple. They just need to keep cap cash. No, not Apple chance. versus ARM. I mean, Apple <laughs> versus NVIDIA with the, if they're going to build like some proprietary chips to go into either laptops or to go into specific um, neural network um, sort of workstations, maybe I don't presume Apple is going to try and be a winner in the neural network workstation er- section, but uh, I mean, it might be something to consider. For, I don't know if someone, like, on a small basis. I wouldn't be surprised. Like a personal small basis um, <laughs> neural network workstation. Well, you can already do that with, with ARM chips. Um, let's see. So uh, he- here's kind of the thing. You don't actually, well, ARM doesn't actually need to, well, NVIDIA doesn't actually need to compete with Apple's chips either, because if they're acquiring ARM, then, you know, any royalties Apple pays ARM go to NVIDIA ultimately. And the other thing is that um, you wouldn't really use ARM chips, well, classic ARM chips, for neural networks, right? Um, Neural networks need reconfigurability, so an FPGA... Um, would actually probably be significantly better in that case because you know as as your uh, as you train the um, your model you can you know convert it directly to the lower level hardware and just interface that with your PC. Yeah, which is kind of wild because both Andrew and Chris are computer engineers and I'm the dummy electrical. <laughs> <laughs> um, how the tables have turned, guys. Um, Anyway, um, yeah, so in that way, I'd almost say that AMD is really the one to watch out for, because I don't know if you, if you guys have heard this, but AMD is acquiring Xilinx. Acquiring who? Xilinx. Oh, so there's two big FPGA makers. One of them is Altera, which Intel bought, and the other one is Xilinx, which, real shame we didn't, I didn't actually ever get to learn how to use the FPGA stuff on that. <laughs> Would have been nice. It's kind of besides the point, though. Um, but yeah. 
So AMD is going to be the one to watch out for because if AMD succeeds in acquiring Xilinx, they build in FPGA processors next to their, you know, Ryzen whatevers, then suddenly they're leagues ahead of, of Apple as they are now. And I mean, I guess the other thing to say here is that the only reason Apple's switching to making their own silicon now, as opposed to using Intel's stuff in the past, is because, I don't know if you guys have heard of Moore's Law. Yeah. But it's basically where transistors can only reach a certain size before they just stop working. Yeah. So we're there. That's that's 5 nanometer. You can I guess you could go to 3 nanometer um, to, through some weird magic that I have no idea You mean idea quantum about. mechanics? <laughs> yeah. But after that, like... Oh, yeah, that. That's 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 the professional word for that. Quantum mechanics. <laughs> um, but, yeah, once... <laughs> Sometimes referred to as magic. So, yeah. But, like, after that, I don't really know how you make transistors smaller. But, like, I don't know if it's even possible to make transistors smaller. So what we're kind of seeing is like an industry trend now is people taking silicon into their own hands and then designing it for their uses so it's more efficient at one thing as opposed to anything else. So yeah, Apple's products will probably be faster for Apple applications. Haha. <laughs> or um but maybe that's not but maybe that's not comparable to anything else, you know? Yeah, that's what I was hinting at for being relative. Yeah, and that's where when you know you see the Geekbench scores, it's it's hard to say that is meaningful because that is based on you know that tight knit ecosystem of everything is working together. Who I no one even knows what the clock speeds of these new CPUs are <laughs> because no, it's a I think it had it on the <laughs> chart. Ah, uh, that'd be least. news to me. So well, it says the clock speeds of the. The 2020 models are these are what you're are what they're releasing is that going to be 2021 no it's it's late 2020 is the models i believe are what's going to be released you're probably looking at the intel if no the if it's the m1 chip that's 3.2 gigahertz with eight cores where are you seeing that uh mac oh this is a rumor mac rumors.com <laughs> yes okay lovely site spend Sources. way too many hours there <laughs> okay Cite your sources. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. they're not great at that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that, that's the thing is we don't we don't know what's actually you know in there yet. Um, and it, the the next question is, does it even fucking matter if you're getting wonderful performance and your laptop works and can process everything you ever need to do? Then who cares? Yeah, because it's more it's more than just the clock speed because you need to know the the instruction per instructions per clock and then how efficient the operating system even is exactly you know having all that tied together well and neat for maximum performance it doesn't even matter what the clock speed is it matters how much you can get done at that point which i'm not saying this this chip is going to be magical it's going to be the best chip ever or anything i'm not expecting it to you know compete with you know top of the line ryzen chips or anything but I do think it is going to be powerful for what it is. When you look at, you know, a 13-inch computer with no fan being able to do, you know, 4K rendering or whatever, it's impressive regardless, especially when you compare it to what they were doing with Intel chips, which loops back around to kind of what I wanted to get at here, which is, so what about Intel in all this? We've talked about AMD. We've talked about <laughs> NVIDIA. Intel competition? <laughs> yeah, where, where's their where's their competition at? They haven't done anything really. Um, I I guess I know they have some stuff on the horizon, but yeah, they do. Well, so I think Intel is kind of taking the approach of uh, of moving to New York, uh, walking into a comedy club, and telling their jokes <laughs> to the entire audience. Um, which is to say, I don't think they're going to be relevant anytime no. soon. And I would rather not waste time thinking yeah. about them, <laughs> if we're being perfectly honest here. So it's expected by a few of the, I guess, knowledgeable YouTubers that Intel's newer chips, that they would be slightly on par with um, the AMD, the current AMD products, 
in terms of gaming, but obviously not in the content creation sort of uh, work workloads. So you would have that obvious choice of going for the AMD processors. But the other thing to consider is just the price to performance. If you're looking at um, specifically gaming or anything in those um, sing more single-threaded or fewer-threaded workloads, because if you when you look at the AMD, the cheapest price for the new one is three hundred bucks. And like I mentioned before, I don't know if <laughs> Intel is gonna grow some balls and make a good product that'll be maybe cheaper than three hundred bucks, but does the same performance in in sort of games. So. Um, that would be the only thing to look out for in in my head. So that is, that is the ultimate thing is, you know, what gives you the best price to performance? No one cares about the brand. No one cares that you have an AMD chip or Intel chip or whatever. How's your, you know, what performance are you getting out of it? And did you pay a fair price for it? Because these things are going to last forever. I mean, I'm not concerned about my CPU breaking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> eh, the eventual thermal shock, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I will say... There is a group that cares about that that overlaps significantly with me, given me being uh, who I am. By which I mean I'm one of those hardos that absolutely loves Linux and everything about it. And those people have very strong opinions on... Everything. <laughs> everything computers. Yes, everything. Yeah, pretty... Yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah, they have strong opinions on everything. <laughs> No offense um, to any Linux users. And they will care. I mean, it makes sense because... Yeah, I mean, eh, take offense. <laughs> they, they can take offense. It's fine. I mean, not to generalize, but it, it it just makes sense because you would, if you're using Linux, you've already looked into knowing what you want out of a computer, so you you may as well look into other yeah, stuff. that's fair. And I mean, the only thing that hates a Linux user more than... A Mac user is another Linux user. Yep. <laughs> My distro is better than yours and all mm -hmm. that. But yeah, the, the thing that I think that those people specifically wouldn't like very much about uh, kind of the, you know, the fragmentation of, of CPUs and Apple going one way and everybody else going some other way um, is that there isn't a whole lot of open source stuff that can take advantage of that hardware. And... You know, Apple's chips are as good as they say they are. You know, that's just kind of another thing that isn't available to the public domain to really take advantage of. Like, as, as smart as Apple is, you know, the open source community is tens or hundreds of times larger. That is one thing that Apple will never have is the open source community. I mean, they're not, that's not their target audience at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not with all the lawsuits they're they're defending. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think that the overarching point that I want to close out with here is that I see a future where Intel is not majorly in the picture. I see, you know, Nvidia and AMD taking place in the more Windows desktop environment with Linux and you know being the conventional computer, and then Apple doing its own thing with Apple Silicon. Honestly, yeah. I don't see. I, I mean, I guess I could possibly see Intel staying as, you know, a budget offering or something, or, you know, low-end computers, or enterprise <laughs> oh systems or something. It's so weird to hear. <laughs> How the tables have turned. Yeah, I, I remember early 2000s, you know, AMD was, you know, the budget offering or whatever, and it's weird to think. Yeah. But I, I really don't see Intel majorly in the future of the CPU space. That said, uh, good investments right now would be any of the top three, any of the three we've discussed, Apple, NVIDIA, or AMD. That said, I'm salty because I still haven't made much money on my AMD stocks. Uh, I think they all three will pay out in the long term. Yeah, me too. Again, we're not professional, so. One thing I might look out for in terms of the, the CPU race is, I don't know if either of them are better or worse in terms of VR or XR or AR. But if, if there is a discrepancy between one of them, then that would have a good play into how they do. Like, it would have an, more of an increasing effect as time goes on. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a, a. It's very important that even someone like Apple, who has this locked ecosystem, stays up to the times on like you know keeping making sure. I think they do have ray tracing support on the new chips and everything. Making sure they're staying up to date on that because they can very easily fall behind when they're you know controlling the whole ecosystem there. That's a super good point. I honestly didn't even think of that. Like if I mean, given AMD, well, given Nvidia's you know expertise in GPU and image processing. Does Apple even keep up with that? Does Apple even care to? Well, do you know if um, Intel or AMD's um, integrated GPU is better right now? We're not going to probably know that until we get the chips. I'm guessing that the Apple chip is going to blow it out the water from what I've understood. Ooh, all right. I'll take the other (laughs) side of that bet. (laughs) I'm thinking that this thing is going to be pretty damn powerful for what it is. I think AMD's gonna slap them down. Well, we'll we'll see we'll see how it turns out. There it there will be an "I told you so" from one of us in the near future. Look forward to that. I will always <laughs> say, you know, I'm I'm an, a lover of Apple products, but I will always admit when they do something wrong. But would you 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 would have to compare the Apple chip to a, another laptop slash mobile chip? That's the that's right? the asterisk. Is it okay. uh, well, unless I guess um you're comparing it to desktops or something too. No, no, because it's still the same chip. You said it was based on the a mobile chip, right? Yeah, but I mean, if it's a desktop that you're comparing, I mean, I think you should compare that to a desktop chip, honestly. Well, just to see if it can beat it out. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really cool to see. We also have to remember this is the this is the entry level one, guys. This is yeah. the the okay. first the first take at it. So we'll okay. see. Yeah, it's, it looks promising. Yeah. Apple with their own software and hardware can we get better battery life and oh you are getting much better battery life not having to slow down older older SKUs just to make people buy new ones can we (laughs) please i mean that's the thing is apple already we have a five-year-old laptop still working well that's good to hear so yeah that's that's part of the reason that i buy their products because they last me forever. Sold yet another option. This, oh, there we uh, go. Well, today, actually. Um, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on our quote-unquote first uh, podcast, or first real episode, um, but I'm getting into selling options on the stocks that I have to generate a kind of second source of income. I think it'll help me speed up the growth of my portfolio. Um, I mean, obviously, working very carefully, but that's kind of the direction I was thinking of going in. So, uh, my, the last option I sold was on 100 shares of IPOB, that's Open Door. It's a real estate selling uh, and, and buying uh, tech company. So, startup. But no, it's not a startup, but it is an IPO. Um, and... Uh, I originally sold about a month ago for the November 20th strike, so I made about 65 bucks in premium. What I realized was that if I bought the option back, it would be extremely cheap to buy back. And if I sold another option, I'd actually be significantly more ahead than if I sold the if I just waited for the option to expire and then sold another one afterwards. So at six, I sold it at 65 originally, bought it back at 10, and then sold another one at 105. So I'm up 160 right now. Sick. Um, the stock is down by roughly that much, so it's kind of wild to me that I'm effectively where I was originally without needing to, have, you know, ne- needing to have the stock actually go up. It's kind of blowing my mind a little bit as long as the stock itself stays below $22 before, $22 before uh, December 18th. Then I get to keep the rest of that premium and keep all the shares, <laughs> which is uh, which I'm a fan of. That is freaking awesome. And that's why I want to get into options yeah. at some point. Once I get... Honestly, I think that... As time goes on, I'm going to start resonating most with the, say, like a monthly swing sort of sort of a repeating process of um, trying to get swing gains off of stocks that go up and down pretty much either whether it's each week or uh, each month. 
and then if I'm looking at stocks in terms of months on a monthly basis, then I mean that just fits in right with uh, with options as well. I'll try to leverage it from there. Um, well, if we're looking for one more thing to discuss real quick, right now at the end of last week's episode, we discussed uh, certain recovery stocks we were looking at. Uh, we have Thanksgiving coming up in two weeks, though. Anybody <laughs> have thoughts on what might be good for that? Honestly, I don't know if Grubhub is going to be a logical stock to look at. It just doesn't seem to respond normally <laughs> to whatever happens in the world. I still don't have a reason for why it went up like a few weeks ago and then why it went down. Um, I know they released their their um, earnings, but that didn't seem to have an effect on it at the time. Earnings typically don't. Like I've, I've we've tried to play earnings before. Uh, Chris and I mm-hmm. have at least. It's it's disappointing. <laughs> like either they'll absolutely wreck earnings, and everyone will be like, "Yep, this is worth exactly what it was before," <laughs> or yeah. they'll crash on earnings and we'll be like oh there's no way we could have seen this we i'm not paying much for it so yeah okay actually with um with i mean so with the holidays in general i'm just thinking the same usual stocks be it paypal say andrew you you have the perfect stock for the holidays yeah corsair (laughs) oh and yes cake and yeah i was gonna say that's a good one (laughs) <laughs> that's honestly most of the stocks that I look into is is gonna be something that I expect to grow in the holidays, and then I can sell after. So yeah, I don't think that there's gonna be all that much vacationing in the holidays no. this time around. Um, my thought was that back when I first started, like in uh, what June or or uh, May. Um, I thought I could start playing a swing on the holidays, right? So if you look at Expedia or an airline, for example, you'll find that they dip a lot in, like, around April, right, or mid-May. And then they just absolutely balloon again near the end of the summer, around July, August. And then again at the end of the year, around December or, you know, November, December. So if I wanted to do like kind of a consistent yearly, uh, you know, swing play, I was thinking about doing that, you know, spreading across a bunch of different vacation and travel stocks, right, okay. uh, in, you know, off season and waiting for it to swing up, selling everything and just doing it again. <laughs> is that is that during COVID or post-COVID? Post-COVID. Uh, I, yeah, I was I was just kind of looking at the price charts for a bunch of different stocks, um, you know, over the past three four years, and it, it seems to hold up. Like if you look in twenty sixteen, that pattern kind of holds. If you look in twenty seventeen, it's higher, but the same yeah. pattern holds. What um what kind of like jumps are you looking at? Well, so my thought was how do i make it line up with the holiday season you know when do people go on vacation right usually during the end of the summer when their kids are on summer break and they want to you know get that one last family vacation in or during year end you know thanksgiving when they want to go see the you know their great uncles or whatever and then christmas when they all come see their (laughs) and uh what what um number jumps like um dollar amount or percentage um, I'm not sure. I don't think it'd be that much, like maybe five, six percent ish. But you're doing it over a lot. Yeah. Okay. Like it, it, it'd take a long time, so I don't know that it'd be worth it to tie down a lot of money in it. But doing it for a few years and figuring out, you know, exactly how to make it work, I think that's kind of, kind of a cool <laughs> hack to, to investing. It actually feels cool when you find some like a, when you find a pattern like that that you can just keep churning it out like a wheel pretty much yeah and I, before we go I wanted to get your, your gauge pretty much on the stock you mentioned last week um, polarity te so yeah I, I've just been keeping it doing pretty badly <laughs> yeah I know you said you <laughs> bought it at a dollar and it hurts. it hurt it's hurting you I know. 
but it's to me it's just been looking so enticing i've kept my eye on it um it's the lowest it's dipped was uh 77 cents or well yeah yeah at its drop actually it went to i can't see that number but it might be like 69 cents or something so (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) so yeah my thought process is i could get in on it say like 75 cents if it goes down to that or anywhere between 75 and 80 cents and i mean what what's your gauge on it like you said as soon as someone figures out what's going on it'll go up but my uh you know concerning question is do you think it would ever go down to like 50 cents or like zero dollars Oh, probably. I mean, so, all right, here, here's my thing with it, right? Like, it, the underlying stuff works, and, and that's maybe the biggest thing we can say about it, right? Like, we, we've all seen kind of the Nikola <laughs> sham, <laughs> um, and we've all seen, like, a whole bunch of other, you know, failed startups or whatever. But this, like, there's actual provable you know, cases where they, you know, use their product and like burn victims, they've shown, hey, this person actually has a better quality of life now that we've used, you know, this product on them, right? So I see that and I think, all right, well, if there's something real there, right, and it's an actual, you know, thing that improves people's lives and they're working on their FDA approvals, I think it's one of those long-term holds uh, I don't really know how high it goes. My hope is that once it makes it back up to like the four or five dollar range, which it you know was comfortably in all of last year, um, I'm definitely going to sell off a bit and get my original investment <laughs> back, um, and then just hold that until you know it goes to wherever it's going. Uh, I I do think it's a it's a good play. Yeah, that sounds like a good play for what for what you have already. I'll probably keep my eye on it. And I mean, I'm currently holding like 300 <laughs> yeah. shares. So is that like? I mean, it's yeah. 81 cents right now per share. So all right. Yeah, I mean, I bought them at 150, so I'm salted. But <laughs> <laughs> it's actually my lowest performing stock right now, surprisingly. But it, it's it's a long term play. Really, Fastly is my lowest performing stock. Although it's actually on the rise right now. So who knows how long. It'll take to get back to where it was, but I still have hope for it. I might add some fastly shares. Mm-hmm. Like if it goes back up to that one twenty or wherever it was, um, I'm gonna be real happy. <laughs> with it. Well, thank you everyone for listening into the Magnitude Podcast with your host Andrew, myself, Temor, and Christopher. Um, we hope we rocked your world tonight, and we would like to rock your world every other coming night. <laughs> so come back here as much as you'd like. Um, you can leave us uh, comments down in the... Well, uh, is there a comment session on Apple? Uh, there is. Um, I think there is. But there's also um, r slash magnitude as well as we have a Discord server. I will link in the description as well. Sweet. Well, Wait, we have a Discord server? Yes, we do. <laughs> you should join it. I told you. I gave you guys the link. Did you? <laughs> but yeah. So hit us up on our uh, social medias and um, join the rock and awesome earthquake and earth shattering community. And we love you. <laughs> have a good night. You have a good night as well, Andrew. Thanks, everybody. Have a, have a good night.